Hey Church, Pastor Eric here, and I'm just so glad that you're joining us on our podcast today. I just pray that this message will stir up your faith, build you up, and just move you closer to the Father's heart. If you want to learn more about us as a church or would like to get further connected, you can visit us at our website at oasischurchchicago.com, download our app, Oasis Church Chicago, and also join us on YouTube for our live streams on Sundays and Wednesdays. We hope you find this message to be encouraging and life-giving. Now here's today's message from Pastor JP. You guys need some coffee handed out. I'm not doing that. Glad to be in God's house this morning. How many of you know scripture says it's good to be in the house of the Lord? You know that to be true, right? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. And so we're so glad you're here today. Uh, We had a powerful nine o'clock and it was a blessed time in his presence. I believe he's going to minister to us. Um, We are in at this service. We are in a series Um, Here at Oasis, we believe in practicing the way of Jesus, being disciples of Jesus. We do what Jesus did here on this earth and what he's called us to do here and now with his Holy Spirit inside of us and working in and through us. And so in this series, we are in our practice, one of our practice series. About four times a year as a church, we're going to go through these, what would be called spiritual disciplines. We've done fasting, and now we're in what we're in is is prayer, the power of prayer. Um, Whether you've been in church your whole life or this is brand new, we can always learn more about the Father's heart. Amen? How many of you know there's something new to learn about God every single day? Every hand should go up just for the sake of your own, like, like every single day there's something new to discover and to, to learn and to lean into with the Father. And one of the ways that we get to know the Father's heart is by prayer. We get to commune with them. We get to talk with them. We get to listen and receive the words that he would have for us. And so we've been in this for um, two weeks now, and I'm going to jump into a a type of prayer this week. But how many were here last week? Rachel um, just brought it with a prayer of adoration. How many of you were thankful for that word and and encouraged you? Um, It ministered to me um, in a lot of ways, and I heard the message all throughout the week. But when she began to preach, she started talking about the testimony of Jesus Right? And, and, and we've, we're eager. How many of you grew up in church? Uh, maybe I shouldn't ask for a hand. So don't, just, um, um, but you went to testimony nights. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Anybody, anybody can give a hand raise. And, and, and they gave the mic to people, and you knew you were going to be there for six hours. You just knew it was going to be one of those services where you're just like, why does it have to be testimony night tonight? And I'm super thankful for those moments as looking back, but oftentimes we as people, um, I would hear get up there and they're like, this is my story. I was involved in this, 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 and this, and I did this, 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 and this, and, and God saved me. And I was like, that's a testimony, right? That's a powerful testimony. And then you had people that walked up there, maybe, maybe let me say it this way, more mature in the faith, and they said, the, the testimony of my life is Jesus died on a cross and raised to life so I could live. And everybody would be like, Cool. I mean, you know, the reality is, is that that actually is our testimony and that should be what we've been declaring. That's how we should be living. It's not about us. It's never been about us. It's not about you. Newsflash. If you think this thing's about you, it's not. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. It's about him. Our lives are not our own. And so Rachel just ministered to us about a prayer of adoration, a very specific prayer that we should be people that start our days with adoring the Father. Go throughout the days adoring the Father. How many of you know it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise? You don't enter into the courts of the Lord by by praising yourself, by giving thanksgiving to anybody else except King Jesus. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only way to life. And so we adore our Father. We get into the presence of God. Church, wake up this morning because this is the best news. Adoration should be louder than petitions. 
Thanksgiving and praise should always be louder than what your wish list and hope wishes for things that you need. Church, can I encourage us in this culture of entitlement? And we say it with a smile. But it's the truth. There's such, a, there's such a spirit of entitlement among us. I'm not just talking to the generation. I'm talking all everywhere. How many of you would be okay if Jesus didn't do another thing for you? It's a sobering pill to swallow. And what if he just said to you, why don't you just adore me for the rest of your 30 years that you have on this life? It'd be hard, but I think it would be worth it. Amen? But how many of you know, God, God, God has more for us. Church, I'll turn these lights on. I will. <laughs> and so as we were planning this, it just happened to fall that we went from prayer of adoration into a prayer of intercession, which I'm going to talk about. What it means to intercede with the Father. And it's interesting, right? Because what are the greatest commandments that, that Jesus spoke of, that the scripture tells us? Love the Lord God with all your heart, yes? Adoring, adoration, turning our affections to him, giving our lives to him, yes? What's the second greatest commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. I believe something, that intercessory prayer, which I will give a definition to if this is a new verbiage to you. Intercessory prayer is loving our neighbors. Intercessory prayer is loving those around us. Intercessory prayer is caring for those that aren't being able right now to lift themselves up. Intercessory prayer, I believe, is the gift that God has given us to help, to serve, and to love our neighbors. How many of you would say amen to that? And so we're going to talk about this today. And in this scripture, open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. This is a model for us today. This is not a passage of scripture that, that necessarily breaks down what intercessory prayer is like. I'll give some teaching on this today. And, but, but, but this model, this story, this moment with Jesus here on this earth, this transformed my life for how I viewed intercessory prayer. I grew up in a home where we prayed about everything. Like if there was an issue, we prayed. We, we, just, we lived in a home where intercessory prayer was the, the, the essence of our home. But when I read this story after getting saved, it ministered to me in so many different ways. But one of them was like, man... I want to be somebody that carries people to the throne room of grace. How many of you want that? To be a person that carries people to the throne room of grace. So Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. This is um, out of the NIV version. So let me read this. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such a large number that there was no room left, not even outside the door. So catch this. Think of a house, just, just a house that was filled shoulder to shoulder with people, pre-COVID, hello? Like, like packed. You ever been to an event where you literally can't, ever been to a concert where you literally, I don't get the. I used to love going to like different festivals and concerts where I literally couldn't move for five. That to me terrifies me, not because of COVID, just like, what was, what's so, like I can't move, I can't even leave, like anyways, that's in my head, get out. Like, like there's no fun in that, <laughs> to me at least. This room is packed. Catch this. And the house is so filled up that now even at the front door, they're, they're, they're funneling out of the front door and they're filling out. I can imagine the windows were open and they were probably packed up. It was just a packed scene of people. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. 
Who can forgive sins but God alone? How many of you know Jesus was bringing the kingdom of heaven in that moment? He was showing his father's heart. He was showing what the kingdom of Yahweh was about right then and there. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. How many of you <laughs> ever been called out by Jesus? Every hand should go up just for the sake of it. He calls them out. He says to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up. Another translation says he got up and he jumped. How many of you know I would jump too if I was paralyzed my whole life and said, get up and walk. Like he jumped with joy. This is why church, this is why it's not emotionalism. When we say you should be rejoicing in the Lord at all times because you were dead. You were paralyzed and he saved your life. And so holding back praise from him is actually selfishness. He deserves it. Get up and jump and thank the Lord. This is a, I'm, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of all, all of them. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. We have never seen anything like this. I wonder today if we catch this, this, this discipline of intercessory prayer, what would happen in this city? What would happen on our blocks? What would happen in our schools? What would happen in our businesses? What would happen in our homes? Would it begin to be declared? We have never seen anything like this before. So Father, in these moments by your spirit right now, we just have a couple moments together. I pray you would speak clearly. You would open up hearts and open up minds, that you would transform us. I pray this spiritual discipline would take deep root, that you would help us be people that desire to pray and to speak and to listen with you. So we thank you, Jesus, for your mighty example. We thank you for your salvation in our lives. Help us to be more like you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Intercessory prayer. Love the Lord God with all your heart. Adoration. And love your neighbor as yourself, intercessory. Intercessory prayer is essential for the life of a believer. It's our call. It's our mandate. In this house, we, we believe that we are people connected to the life-giving waters, the source of God's presence. We are then called to be people who connect others then to this life-giving source. We believe this in this house, that we have been connected by Jesus and the Holy Spirit residing us. And now our job, our mandate, is to connect others to the life-giving source. To bring people that are far, to, to show the kingdom those that are hurting and, and not just be like we're in and we're good. No, but to be a person that desires to make disciples. If you are a disciple of Jesus, that means you follow Jesus. The mandate for all of us is the same. Go and make disciples. Catch this. We've lost this. This is the pastor's job. This is the elder's job. This is the YouTube pastor's job. This is the TV evangelist's job to make disciples. It's your job. Newsflash. It is your job to go be a light and make disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the work for all of us. Welcome to church. If you follow Jesus, it's not just a ticket. It's actually work now. You okay? Like it's called making disciples, being a light, being salt, showing the kingdom, bringing the kingdom. And one of the ways that happens is by intercessory prayer, petitioning and lifting up others, asking the Holy Spirit to minister to those that are broken and hurting and in pain and Asking and believing that he will move upon him. So I want to give you just this house specifically, Oasis. What we believe about intercessory prayer. Is that all right? We believe this, that, that, that 
we are called, first and foremost, to have a dynamic prayer life. I'm asking tomorrow for the Father to give each and every one of you a dynamic prayer life. I hope you wake up, get up out of your bed, even with the gunk in your eyes, and you wake up and you start praying to the Father in adoration with such a dynamic prayer life, you don't even need the cup of coffee before you wake up. Some of you, you might need it. That's okay. I'm one of them. But some of you will just get up. You'll begin to shout. You'll begin to praise. You'll begin to pray and petition because that is our mandate. God wants us to talk with them, to press in with them. But, but the difficulty with defining intercession, that this thing is really a mystery. Okay, I'm, I'm here to say that. Like intercessory prayer is a mystery. God answers sometimes. God delays sometimes. God moves sometimes. God doesn't move in the ways we want to. It's a mystery of God, but I want to just help us lean into this tension for a moment. And this contradictory truth that we, we catch sometimes, that, that the first thing is this, is that God is sovereign king. Okay, we believe that. That, that, that every molecule of the universe and every moment that takes place, God ordains it, God has allowed it, God is in it. You with me? Like this is the truth of God being all-sufficient king. He is the God above all gods. He is the, he's Yahweh, right? He is over all things. He is above all things. There's no one like our God, amen? amen? And so he mandates, he allows for things to take place. But then there's this tension that we see Jesus talking about and scripture talk about. Even from the garden, the beginning, us co-laboring with Christ. How many of you know the garden wasn't just a resort? <laughs> Funnier in my head than anybody else. Like it wasn't just, par- it wasn't a paradise place. There was actually work to do in the garden. It was work. It wasn't toil. It was work, right? Sin came in and now we, t- you with me? The out- this is good. This is- we were called to work with the father, to, to rule and, and to, to, to conquer this land for the kingdom of God. It was a place where he said, begin to co-labor with me. And it still continues with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit calling us as free will agents to receive Jesus. Ourselves die. He comes to life in us. We raise to life and now we go to work with him. Can I, can I, your plans died when you said yes to Jesus. Can we just, can we come to grips with this today? Your, my, What's your dreams? Well, my dream is to do this and this. Well, what's God say about it? I don't know. Well, maybe it's not the dream that God has for you. This is on YouTube too. This is, this is. This isn't my dream. (laughs) You know what my dream is? Golf every day. Working, coming home. Living life with Rach and Titus and soon-to-be baby girl eating. Like, that's, that's the dream. But I died at 22 years old. My dreams went out the window. And some of you in here, this is going to be a wrestling thing for you for intercessory because you're still holding on to your dreams. So when you get into prayer, you're still praying your dreams. I'm not saying God doesn't have dreams for you. I'm not saying God doesn't have purposes for you. But are the dreams and purposes that you're praying actually from God? Because being a co-laborer with Christ means we died and we pick up the cross. Not every one of you needs to be a pastor. Hear me. We don't need more. We need laborers. But we need people to actually go influence the kingdom by your businesses, by your careers, by teaching, by being a nurse, by being a doctor. But do it because God called you to do it. This is a mystery, right? God's sovereign, but he's called us to co-labor with him, partner with him, do this thing with him. We believe this to be the case. Like We believe that our prayers can move heaven. We believe that when we pray, we actually can't see healings. 
We, we, we believe that in this house, when we pray, we can actually see marriages that were completely on the brink of disaster, where we're on the outside looking in, this is no chance, no way, there's 0.0% chance of it happening, and we see God move and intervene in a moment and change it and transform it and bring it to life. We believe this in this house. We believe dead people can come to life, not only spiritually, but physically. We prayed for a kid that was underwater for 27 minutes to come to life. Guess what happened? He came to life. And guess what's happening? I just heard, he's, he just had his third birthday. And a couple that comes to church, they, they went to his birthday. They said he was dancing, rejoicing, eating cake. He was dead. And we said, Father, in your name, bring mercy to him. Radical? Yeah, guess what? That's the kingdom. It's radical. This thing of following Jesus ain't just some like simple thing. It's radical and it's awesome. This is what intercessory does. You with me, church? This is new for somebody. Man, this will change your life. This intercessory happens when you love people. When you have a deep desire, I'm not a people person. Do you follow Jesus? Well, yeah. Well, then you probably should go back to your prayer closet. True, true, no, true. I don't like my coworker. Those words, be, God, we need to be careful saying some stuff like that. You're, you're a follower of Jesus. Jesus was killed by people. He gave up his life for us. And guess what he said? Father, forgive them. Thank you, Jesus. You all just sit there quietly. I'm, I'm thankful that he saved my life. Not based off of how much I loved him or how much I... We love people, so we intercede on behalf of people. We intercede on behalf of what's going on. So this is a mystery. This is a tension. This is the paradox of intercessory prayer that God invites us to labor in it. It's the duty and the joy, catch that, of the Christian life to enter into this sacred space and co-labor with the king to see his will accomplished in the earth. This is a powerful practice. It's a duty and a joy. Let me ask you this. How many of you pray for your own lives? Okay. Every hand probably went up. You've probably shot up some prayer at your point in life, praying for yourself. So why, if we believe God to hear our prayers for ourselves, would we not believe him to do it for others? He does. This is the mystery, but this is the joy and the duty for us to see God move. It's all throughout scripture, right? Whether it's Abraham praying, whether it's David petitioning on behalf of the people of Israel, whether it's Daniel praying there in the midst of Babylon, whether it's Paul writing letters to the church in the New Testament, not just writing encouragement, but saying, I'm not only writing letters of hope and encouragement, but I'm toiling in prayer over you. He wasn't there with them, but he knew something that God heard his cries and God wanted to work in and through what Paul was praying. And God, God co, Paul co-labored with Christ and began to pray and intercede. This is not anything different for us today. We are called to pray. We are called to intercede. And so in this passage of Scripture, Mark chapter 2, I, I told you there's a, this isn't necessarily a, um, a layout of how to intercede, but it's, a, it's an example. It's a model for us. And the first thing that I want to make sure that we catch when it comes to intercessory, because I do believe you're going to wake up tomorrow and God's going to plant someone's uh, name in your heart. You're going to begin to pray for somebody that you haven't thought of for years. I do believe that. But the reason why that happens is because intercessory first requires kingdom identity. Kingdom identity for us today is sons and daughters. How many of you are thankful for that? How many of you are thankful that you were adopted? Every hand go up. If you've, been, if you've said yes to Jesus, just for the sake of you giving him some praise today, this is the only time you lifted your hand. You're thankful that you're a son and daughter. Our kingdom identity is his kids. And out of that identity then means we do what the father tells us to do. We, we do what our father tells us to do. 
And what the father, Jesus only did what the father told him to do. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit today inside of us to speak to us and to lead us and to guide us and direct us and to help us understand what the father has called us to do. But we are not praying out of positions of wishful thinking or hopeful thinking. We get to pray from positions of being a part of the kingdom of God. We get to pray from a position that I am seated at the table. I am with the Father. I am placed in heavenly places. The scripture not say that. I get to pray as if I'm standing because I am a son. This is open to everybody. Like I said, this isn't open just because I'm a pastor and I've got some special title. It's open to us because I said yes to Jesus and I got brought into the kingdom. So me being brought into the kingdom, I get to have the kingdom's heart. I get to pray from an identity of being a son. These men understood that. They understood that God loved people. Jesus was there and they understood the love of their friend. They were praying from a position of identity. Hear me. This is important. We got we to gotta understand this. This story shows us that they carried the heart of God for others. They interceded on behalf of others because they knew Jesus told them and could do it. Intercessory has to start from us being priests. This is a New Testament teaching that says you are now part of the royal priesthood. You are royal priests. See, in the Old Testament, you had to get to the priest to pray, and the priest would lift you, your burdens up. You, if you know your Bibles, that's what happened. But Jesus came. The veil was torn, and heaven was opened up, and the throne room of grace was opened up to every single person that would call upon the name of Jesus. And so now it is open to us, and it is our duty and our joy to pray as the priest. Can I tell you something? Men, you are the priest of your home. What? Thank you, four of you. I know there's a lot more than four. It is your job to stand guard as the priest of your home. Ladies, married or single, it is your job to be the priest of your home. Hear that? Catch that? Rachel's job, both of it together, to lead and to pray and to, to, to be the priest together of our home. I know some of you are like, no, no, that's not true. Go read the Bible. Take it up with the Lord. Take it up with the Lord. I didn't write it. I don't want to ever write it. I didn't write it. Dallas Willard says this about New Testament teaching of prayer and intercessory. He says, we are based off the New Testament teaching, a part of the royal priesthood. As priests appointed and anointed by God, that's every one of us. We have the honor of going to the most high on behalf of others. He says this, this is not optional. You, you have a choice. You do. We always do. God's never going to force your hand, never going to make you do something. We have a choice, but, but the reality is the call is not optional for us to be intercessors. It's a sacred obligation and a precious, precious privilege. All of us who take the yoke of Christ to pray, to intercede out of our kingdom identity. As sons and daughters, this is our obligation to be people of intercessory. And the story continues. And, and what I'm about to say, you're probably going to be like, yeah, pastor, duh. But it's important for us to remember this. Intercessory prayer requires Jesus. It requires Jesus. Flat out. Requires Jesus. Because of our mission and our mandate and our calling to be people that pray and to intercede and because of the Holy Spirit living inside of us and, and helping us and, and we get to partner with Christ and all this, we need Jesus to do the work on our behalf. 
Because you know where Jesus is seated? Next to the Father right now. And you know what scripture says Jesus is doing? Interceding on our behalf right now. How many are thankful and understand that Jesus is interceding on your behalf right now with the Father? He's talking to him. He's saying, no, I hear, yes, yes. He is interceding. He's the great intercessor on our behalf. Praying apart from Jesus is wishful thinking. Praying apart from Jesus is not prayer. I need Jesus when I pray. I believe Jesus will then carry these words up to heaven as the bride of Christ. We come under his authority. We get to partake what he loves and to help him accomplish his mission here on this earth. Guys, this is, this is important for us to catch. We don't get, I said, we don't get a ticket. We actually are partnering with him. We get to partner. See, these four guys had something that they understood. Now catch this. Jesus is on earth at this time. He's walking. He's doing miracles and wonders and signs. He's bringing the kingdom. And I imagine four guys standing in a house with their buddy that was on a mat. Now, now theologians say this, this man was paralyzed his whole life. So they were probably together. They knew him. They, they were friends. And they probably heard the voices. They probably heard the rumblings. They probably got word that Jesus was there. And we don't catch that. They sat there and said, oh, cool. Jesus is here. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Back to the normal life. They had a moment. They had an encounter. They understood something, that the king of kings was there. The healer was there. The deliverer was there. And so they said, we're going to get this man to Jesus. Catch this. They didn't say, we're going to get him to this thing or that thing, or we're going to stay here and hope that Jesus shows up. To no, no. They said, we're going to get this man to Jesus, because if we can get this man to Jesus, Jesus will be the one to do the work that only he can do. They didn't, they didn't come up with a plan to get him else to someone else or get him to this. I'm, hear me, they got him to Jesus. Intercessory prayer gets people to Jesus. It gets people, it involves Jesus and it says, Jesus, I need you to reach down. And th- I need you to get these people. I, it's an exchange between us and Jesus. It's not looking to other solutions. It's not looking to other things. It's looking at Jesus as the source, saying, man, I, I, Jesus, I know you, I know what you say, and I know what I can pray. Intercessory requires Jesus, and the way that we can intercede with Jesus is know who Jesus is. Know what Jesus has called us to pray for. Know what Jesus has given us the, the, the actual ability to pray for. Guys, got to catch this. Pray according to the words of Jesus. How do you know Jesus? Abide in Jesus. Stay connected to Jesus. Know what Jesus would have prayed for. Know what Jesus did pray for. Know what he's called us to pray for. The problem is is that we're so tied up in praying for ourselves and our stuff that we're not praying for what Jesus actually told us to pray for, for the orphans and the widow, for the oppressed, for those that are hurting, for violence and wickedness and racism to be thwarted out of this place, for the things that Jesus would have prayed for. We're not praying for them because we're not abiding with the Father. I know it's a convicting word. I'm not here to say, don't ask the Father for things. Don't bring a request. Hear me. When it comes to interceding and intercessory, we abide with Jesus so we know what Jesus has given us the ability to ask for. We know that Jesus has said to us, we can pray for healing. That's for that time and that day. No, it ain't. It's for today. I can actually pray for you to be filled up with the Holy Spirit. It's for today. That's a good word, Pastor. Thank you for that. You're welcome. We can pray according to what Jesus told us to pray for. These four men said, we got to get this man to Jesus. Jesus is the only way. The only way. The only way this man's going to get healed is if we get him to Jesus. 
How many of us wake up every day saying, the only way that my parents' marriage is gonna get healed is if I bring them to Jesus? How many of us wake up saying, the only way that my brother and sister are gonna come to know Jesus is if I get them to Jesus? How many of you, how many of you know, the only way that my coworker is actually gonna stop driving me nuts is because I'm getting with Jesus and lifting them up to Jesus? Jesus. Another thing that happens in intercessory prayer when we begin to lift up needs and people is intercessory requires sacrifice. We love adoring the Father. Some of us can sit in our prayer closets and soak all day long. Not funny in the 11 o'clock. Way better in the night. You know what? Okay, soaking is like a thing that we say, and I believe it. I do it. Like you sit and just meditate and just let the Holy Spirit minister you. It's awesome. It's adoring. We need to do that. Do that. The other day, Rachel and I turned on our soaking music. Titus came up the stairs and just kind of looked at us. We were both just sitting there. <laughs> Titus like, come on, dad, dad, downstairs. I'm like, yes, <laughs> We need those times. But we can't stay there. We got to start working with Christ. And intercessory requires sacrifice. See, catch this, guys. These friends love their friend. These friends love their friend so much that they committed to getting him to Jesus. Now, we read that story and think, man, that would have been so easy, man. Not a big thing. I, I said earlier, I wish I, I built a mat. I almost did this week. I almost got some two-by-fours, put a little mat. I almost built a mat. And I was going to say, Pastor Ruben, come lay on this mat. And I would have said, a couple guys, come and pick up Pastor Ruben and carry him to the back. They would have given up halfway. Come on, let's be honest. They would have literally said, this is too much. I'm, I got my nice church clothes on. I, I'm sweating. I'm tired. I'm fatigued. This brother ain't, I'm, I'm tired. Come on, can we be honest? We get a picture of these four guys probably sitting in a room with him. One of them was calculating every measure and every step of the way. And the other one was just that pump-up guy. You know, you have the pump-up guy in the cruise. Just, Come on, let's do this. We can do it. The other guy's just like, I'm here for it. Whatever you want to do, let's roll. And then you have the other guy, not really sure why he's there, but he's just going to continue. It's just how I see. But they're like, Jesus is here. So we'll sacrifice our time. We'll sacrifice our energy. We'll sacrifice our emotions. We'll sacrifice our agendas. We'll sacrifice everything, and we will carry this brother to the feet of Jesus. <laughs> now listen, they get to the house. I, I, the story doesn't read that they get to the house. Jesus was there. He welcomed them and told The house was packed. You with me? The house was filled with people. It was filled outside. At that point, after carrying them up those streets, it wasn't like they were paved roads today. Hear me. These were hills and, and, and things that they had to climb through and rough rock and terrain. They walked from a house to get this man, carrying a man. And they get to the house and it's filled. I would have been like, we tried. Hate to see it. <laughs> Nobody up, just, I'd be like, we, we made an effort, guys. Some of us in the church believe that today. We've prayed once, twice, a couple times. We've made efforts. The life of a believer is called to sacrifice. They didn't stop at the front door being filled. They got to the house and they said, oh man, we're going to get this brother to Jesus. We're going to get him to Jesus. We're going to sacrifice everything about our own lives to make sure that this friend gets to Jesus. When's the last time you interceded 
for that one person that God laid on your heart? Not just one time. When's the last time you pressed in, committed time to interceding for your neighborhood, for your block, for your school? When's the last time you turned off the Netflix, you turned off the social media and stopped getting filled with junk and actually started pressing in with the Father for people? When's the last time you didn't have to pick the picture and make sure you got the right filters for three and a half hours and then post it and you actually prayed? Convicting? Yeah. Truth? Yeah. When's the last time we actually believe for God to do something great? There's a church in South Korea and, and Peyton, come on up. There's a, there's a church in South Korea, and I was reading this in, in a book. And so I don't know if this is a couple years longer, but um, 10 years ago, this, this church started there. And it started with 40 people in a prayer meeting, a, a, a daily prayer meeting, an intercessory prayer meeting, to be more specific. And these 40 people understood something. They understood that they would sacrifice their time and their energy for the sake of the nation. They would sacrifice their agendas, their schedules for the sake of the city, for the sake of people. And after the course of 10 years of them pressing in and praying, there is now 12,000 people that show up to this prayer meeting. 12,000 people show up to a prayer meeting. God hears when two stand in agreement. I wonder what heaven's doing when 12,000 are praying together. But that's not the catch of the story. The catch of the story is this. The prayer meeting's at four in the morning. I, I, don't, I used to say, I don't think God's awake at four in the morning. <laughs> I used to work construction. I'd have to be up at 3.30. I'd, I'd be out of the house by 3.30. Yes, I worked construction, believe it or not, for many years. Um, 3.30. I don't think I was awake at 3.30. Four in the morning. These people wake up and get to the house of God. What's crazy is 12,000 people can't fit in this church. So they close the door after the amount of people that can fill the house can get in. And the rest of those people wait outside. Uh, South Korea at times is very, very cold. And so what they do is they bring their tea, their hot tea, and they share tea with one another and they pray outside. And then the doors open up for the five o'clock prayer meeting service, not 5 p.m., 5 a.m. And people funnel in. And the rest of the people that didn't make it in the door, Wait until the six o'clock prayer meeting. Not to go in and pray for themselves, to literally intercede for the nation. You talk about sacrifice. I, I was convicted. I read that. I said, what are we doing? Y'all are, I shouldn't say complaining. I got to get to church on Sunday. This is my only time to sleep in. Have we all said it before? My hand's up. I got to get to the house of God one time a day, one time a week. I'm not, I'm not condemning guys. We here in the Westernized culture, we've, we don't know what it means to actually sacrifice. I don't know to the fullest yet what it means to sacrifice. These people understand sacrificial prayer to the father on behalf. 12,000 people. What would happen in a city if we prayed? What would happen in this city? I was writing this message, um, and I had meetings all morning. I started at 6 a.m. I had meetings all morning. Forgive me for the personal story. 
And I, and I had meetings back to back to back to back, and I had a 35-minute 30, 35 window blocked that said sermon prepping. <laughs> and um, I sat down, opened up my laptop. I had a couple minutes. My phone rang. And you all know when your phone rings, you're like, do I want to answer this call? <laughs> no, just me. I'm like, ah, oh, you want to hit that red button or that can I call you later? Just, just, okay, cool. Um, and the Lord said, pick it up. I said, Lord, he said, pick it up. I said, yes, Lord. Picked it up, and it was a brother, and he said, hey, um, I got a heavy burden. Like, can you, can, you, can you stand in agreement with me for this situation with this person going on? And we prayed for 30 minutes, and I hung up the phone, and I was literally on the point of this message that says intercessory requires sacrifice. And I said, Lord, I get it. It's a really small example. I get it. I felt the presence of God more in those 30 minutes than I felt all throughout the day. I know that sounds crazy. I'm just being honest with you guys. I wonder if you guys looked at your lives and saw your schedules and saw your times and saw your hours and said, man, maybe I could actually spend some time interceding. These brothers, these four, they didn't care about their time. They didn't care. What they cared about was getting their friend to Jesus. Intercessory requires sacrifice, but it also requires commitment. So two, it requires commitment. This is a day and age and a culture where commitments aren't even a thing anymore. Scripture is very clear. Let your yes be yes and your no be no's. Today, now than ever, we break our yeses and we don't even, we, we don't even know how to say no. It's a, it's a plague. Because we don't live in a committed a society where marriages aren't even commitments anymore. If you're married, you don't fall out of love with your spouse, period. I'm not talking abuse and all that. There's a different thing. You stay in your marriage. Why? Because love's a choice. You stay committed to the covenant relationship. Single people, when you get married, it's a covenant before God. You covenant with God and with that person. You stay in it. Commitment to following Jesus. It's like, man, now more than ever, people are just like, ah, ah, it didn't work. It didn't please me. It didn't give me what I want because we created this culture that we should be getting what we want when we came to Jesus. We deserve nothing. Wake up. That doesn't build a church today. But intercessory requires commitment. Okay. These four guys show up to this house after carrying this dude. And they get to the house and it's filled. I'm being the guy that's like, guys, we tried, we did it. Like, let's, maybe Jesus will come back tomorrow. Maybe Jesus will walk his way over to our house. Like, I don't know why I just did that. Like, maybe he'll just find his way. Oh, Jesus will find me in my mess. No, they say, we're going to get this brother up. I believe one of the guys was like. And all the buddies are like, what's that? The roof. We're going up. Excuse me? There's no elevators in this times. There's no like pulley systems. The, the, the belief is, is that they had to tie some ropes around his mat and they probably ran up to the roof. Imagine Jesus is doing ministry and he just hears. And they pull this brother up on top of the roof. Have you ever tried to lift somebody, a grown adult? It's not easy. Halfway pulling up, I'm still like, guys, just let him go. Like, His friends stay committed. They stay committed. Could you imagine the toil and the burden 
and the fatigue that came to them as they lifted this man up. And then they get to the roof and they're like, one of the guys, the one that's always calculating, he's like, how are we getting him in? And Mr. Let's Go is like, bust the hole open. Bust a hole open, a hole big enough to lower this guy down. This is a roof. You catching this? This is not just, I hope Jesus can do this. No, no, we're going to get this person to Jesus. Some of you have given up because the roof has caught you. Oh man, they start clearing it off, clear it off, clear it off, clear it off, clear it off. Because they understood something. They couldn't do anything for this brother, but Jesus could do everything. They bust open the roof. I just imagine Jesus, because he knows what's happening. Dust is falling. Things are falling. Everyone's like, what's happening? Jesus is like, don't worry about it. These brothers love me. These brothers love me. And what's about to happen is something you've never seen before. I just believe Jesus said that. They stay committed. They stay committed. They pray prayers of supplication. That's a church word, but it's a true word. Supplication is intercessory which means prayers that are asked with earnestness, with intensity, and with perseverance. Commitment in prayer, commitment for praying. You know, my, my, my father and mother are great. They're amazing men of God and women of God. And my dad grew up in a really rough home, parents divorced, drugs and alcohol, all that stuff. Grew up in Camden, New Jersey, um, rough place. Got saved at 16 and he tells the story all the time and his parents weren't saved. He got saved. Then the mandate from him, the next day he got saved, he, he felt like the Lord said, he didn't even understand. He said, the Lord said, begin to pray for your family. And one by one, his sister, his other sister got saved. His father and mother, it took them years. I, I know I might be mistaken, but my, my dad said 20 plus years of praying for his mom and dad to come to know Jesus. I can confidently stand up here as, as their grandson to say, before my grandmother and my grandfather passed away, they both claimed loyalty to Jesus. 20 years. 20 years. Not just hopeful, not just wishful. 20 years of staying committed to this thing. I wonder what would happen if we stayed committed. I, I, I'll, um, just a few more moments, I'm sorry, but... There's moments in ministry being here in the city where you guys know me. I've, I've said like, man, is, is this it? Are we done? Like I wondered, like, is this it? And as I'm dwelling on this message and soaking on this this week and the Lord's revealing things to me, on Friday night we had a, we had a really, it, it, this city's a battlefield right now, guys. I had a guy text me this morning, a father of this house, a spiritual father and very prophetic. He said he woke up with a dream of the kingdoms of this city raging war right now. They're claiming, they're trying to claim territory. And he said, you as a church, you as a, as, as a, there in that city, you need to begin to pray and you begin to intercede. He had no idea we're talking about intercessory prayer today. Catch this. He said against the violence, against the powers of darkness, against the powers of greed, against the powers of racism, against the powers of hierarchy. There is such hierarchy here in this. It's wild. And he said, you begin to pray and intercede. That was this morning, but Friday night, we're sitting at my kitchen table, me, Rach, and a couple, and the city's reckless. And we heard gunshots just go off. And I'm like, I stand up, and I'm like, I'm like that neighbor that's always watching. If you, if you know me, you know it's true. I'm like, 
praying, praying for people, not being nosy, just praying. And um, I'm like, oh, that was, yeah, that was gunfires. And there's a couple at our house that are just like, and Rich is like, no, this probably works. <laughs> this probably works. And I was like, and she's like, chill, chill. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And we went to bed. And last night we had some friends over and got a knock on our door at like 8.30, 9 o'clock. And it was two police officers. And they said, hey, we got called last night because there was a shooting right down the way. Can we come in? We heard that there was a bullet that flew through your guys' window. Or I said, they said, oh, you upstairs? Yeah. So lo and behold, that, that the gunfire actually went into one of our neighbor's window up above us and went through two walls. And I'm sitting there like, and the first thought that went through my head was, my son sits at these windows all the time. My son literally sits at those windows with his stickers and his, and his puzzles. And there was immediate fear that tried to settle in my heart. And I looked at Rachel and I could see for a moment there was fear. And she came downstairs, we were processing. I said, we're going upstairs. So we went upstairs last night. And we began to pray. And we began to say, you know what? Satan thought he could put fear in us to get us out of here. Oh, Satan, you just woke up a sleeping giant. So we began to pray. We woke up this morning praying. We said, this house, this neighborhood is going to be claimed for sacred holy ground for the kingdom of heaven. What evil would try to come against us? Man, it can't touch it when King Jesus comes and rules and reigns. And so we began to pray. We're going to continue to pray. We're going to continue to trust. When fear speaks, we're staying in it. When to toil speaks, we're going to stay in it. When chaos speaks, we're staying in it. We're staying committed. And intercessory is the call for us to stay committed to this thing. You with me? And the last thing is intercessory requires humility. The intercessory prayer is not about you being an intercessory prayer ministry person. Like, I have a ministry. What is it? I intercede. Well, we all should. Now, there's specific people that really have a gifting to pray, and that's powerful. It's an, we believe that, but every one of us. And the gift of interceding is, is a gift given to all of us, and it's not for us to get recognized by anybody, but it's about being, giving glory to Jesus. And the reason why we get this, we don't get these guys' names. Hello? We don't get their backgrounds. We don't get their stories. We don't get their testimony. We don't get anything except they carry their friend to Jesus. And they're known throughout history. They didn't do it for anything else except to heal, see their friend healed. There's a story of Charles Finney. He's a, he's a man of God. And if you, if you grow up in the church, you might know his name. And he, you've taken classes. You know Charles Finney. He was a man that preached all across the nation. He he would travel back in the 1800s, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around that time frame, and he would travel to city by city and preach, and thousands of people would come to know Jesus, salvations, radical stuff, just crazy stuff, and, and, and people would look to Charles and be like, you're such a man of God, and he was, and like, like, man, you're so powerful, but what they didn't know was a story that Charles shares about his ministry. Charles was, was known, but there was a guy by the name of Father Nash. How many of you have ever heard of Father Nash? Mark, because we talk about it. Father Nash was a former pastor that felt like the Lord told him to step away from a pastoral ministry in the local church, which is not a bad thing for him, but, but to go and to travel with Charles and be his intercessor. Now, 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 what this man did was Father Nash would show up to the cities two, three days prior to Charles showing up. And Charles shares the story of Father Nash showing up specifically to one city three days before the ministry time happened. 
And he found a house, a little basement of a cellar, and he was in there with him and another guy. And they prayed for three days. They toiled, they moaned, they groaned in the spirit for salvations of people. Charles shows up to the city, finds where they're at, and the woman comes out that owns the house and says, you got to go in there. They haven't come out for three days. They haven't allowed water, food, nothing. you got to go in there. And Charles says, no, they're just doing what God called them to do. She was like, what? you got to go save them. Said, no, they're right where they need to be. Charles went to the ministry time and Father Nash stayed in the house and prayed. And he said, in that night, thousands of people gave their lives to Jesus Christ. We know Charles Finney. We know his ministry. We don't know Father Nash. But can I tell you who does? Heaven. Heaven knows Charles, but they know Father Nash. I, I believe when Father Nash showed up to the, throne, to the heaven's gates, I believe they were just like, well done, that good and faithful servant, a humble heart, a man that understood the power of prayer, wasn't for him and his needs and his desires, it was to see salvations come and transformation come to people that were lost and broken and hurting. We all have that mandate today. We all have that mandate to pray. You know what intercessory does? It breaks gossip. You know what intercessory does? It breaks offense. It breaks bitterness. It breaks everything that's not on us because when you begin to pray for other people, you get the heart of God for people. Amen? So right now, for just a few moments, we're going to do two things. First thing is this. We want to actually practice this right now because for some, this is new. And we're not going to stay here for 45 minutes or three days. Don't worry. We're not. Someone's like, are we about to do what Father Nash did? Maybe the Lord is calling you to do that at your home. Actually, maybe your next vacation, you don't need a day off. You need a day in his presence with him. But right now, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to highlight, as you go in prayer right now, just ask him, Holy Spirit, highlight who I can pray for, what I should pray for. And he's going to highlight it right now. And as he highlights it, just begin to ask him to move on behalf of it. Go ahead. Just close your eyes or whatever you feel comfortable. Maybe lift your hands up. Just ask him to move on behalf of the need right now. If this is new, if this is your first time, welcome. This is what we're doing. We're, we're just going to ask him to move and trust that he's going to do it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus.